in this business. And I wish that this foundation and its mission existed when I was just getting into running. Maybe I would have made that choice, you know, five, six, eight, nine, ten years ago. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to an extra special episode of the 8020 Endurance Podcast. I'm Matt Fitzgerald. My co-host is Hannah Hunstad, and the person you just heard is Bertrand Newson. Hannah, who the heck is Bertrand Newson? Well, like most of our guests, he's a personal friend of yours, but more importantly, he's the founder of Two Legit Fitness, one of the largest and most diverse running clubs in America. And he has a heck of a personal story. Am I leaving anything out? Yes! Bertrand is also the co-director of the Coaches of Color Initiative, a project of the 8020 Endurance Foundation that aims to increase diversity in endurance sports by awarding apprenticeship grants to people of color aspiring to careers as endurance coaches. While this is definitely a passion project for you, it's quickly turned into one for David and myself as well as we've built out this preparation for our launch today but Bertrand is truly the perfect teammate he's just so inspiring and good at bringing folks together and he's proven that with too legit fitness but he's just all around a really really great person and someone that you should have on your team for sure yeah Bertrand is an amazing charismatic individual so even if you're not an aspiring coach of color yourself or you're not sure yet if you want to contribute to this mission You'll want to hear Bertrand share his story and bask in his charisma for the next 45 minutes or so. And if you would like to apply for our first apprenticeship grant or make a donation to the Coaches of Color Initiative, see our show notes for links. You can also find information about Inside Tracker, our presenting sponsor, and receive a special discount as a listener of the 8020 Endurance Podcast. Enjoy the episode. Coach B, welcome to the 8020 Endurance Podcast, where it is 80% believing you're a runner and 20% being a runner. Welcome. Hey, my pleasure, Coach Matt and Hannah. Does that ratio sound about right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does, ironically, for me in particular. So, um, you know, uh, coming back, as you know, Coach Matt, from a broken foot. May through the end of July and first part of August and working to get my endurance back and certainly looking at the 80-20 principles, knowing that I can't get out there in that yellow zone, trying to be a mediocre runner and, and trying to prove every workout each training session and having some balance and appreciating conversation pace and knowing when I can push it a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm having fun. So here you are on an endurance podcast um, as a guest, which means that a certain amount of expertise and knowledge is presumed. Rewind 15 years. So we're in 2021, go back to 2006. At that time, could you have imagined that you would be an expert guest on an endurance podcast? And, and if not, like, where were you in life in 2006? Oh, hell no. Wait, I mean, heck. <laughs> heck no, I mean... Let's see, I was a, a hotel executive managing two hotels at the time in the East Bay, one in San Leandro, one in Oakland, a Hilton product and a uh, Marriott smaller, yeah, smaller property. I was a avid softball player at the time, probably 215 to 220 pounds. 
probably beer league softball at that time, probably not as competitive as I've played in my earlier days. And running was not on my radar. Being a coach at that time in the fitness space as a runner, endurance space, not on my radar. Coaching my daughter in softball previously, um, playing uh, probably coach and organizing softball teams, yes, but from an endurance perspective, heck no. Mm -mm. Not on my radar, not at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so how did we get here? <laughs> yeah, fill in the blanks, please. <laughs> yeah, so let's see. Uh, Coach Matt reference 2006. Fast forward like, five or six years later. At the time, I was involved with somebody who was a runner. And I didn't really understand what that meant at the time until I went out to a local half marathon race. San Jose Rock and Roll, as that individual was finishing, I saw very quickly that this was a pretty large community, a very diverse community, uh, diverse from a, a, a racial perspective, but also from just ages, young and older, older than me at the time. And I was inspired by that, seeing people across the finish line that looked like me or were older than me, as I, you know, was probably like approaching my 40s at that time and knew that if I wanted to stay in shape in some way, that me just playing softball or being in the gym was not going to be sufficient. And I kind of got the running bug shortly thereafter. Right on. Let's just continue the story, which I know very well. So you know, as, as we record this, <laughs> this interview, like you and I just got together in your neck of the woods to record, we'll get more into this later, but to record a video for the Coaches of Color initiative. And we based it on your personal journey. I've gotten to know it inside and out, and there's very much a reason we decided to do our launch video like based on your story. It's a very cool one. At some point, I need to ghostwrite your autobiography. I mean, exactly how did running get its hooks in you? I've always been competitive. I mean, it's something that the three of us share. We're athletes, we're endurance athletes. We get out of fitness what we put into it, specifically with running. And I learned shortly thereafter, trying to run my very first mile, it was a humbling experience, to say the least. And one mile on paper and in theory doesn't seem that long. I figured, okay, seven minutes maybe? Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> North of 10, lots of sweat and frustration and realized, okay, um, gym strength, is not cardio health. And what was I gonna to do to improve that? Put more work in, gradually build up some consistency, build up some endurance, and at some point the stopwatch was gonna show progress or not. And I saw progress two weeks after, a month after, and it gave me the confidence to sign up a team for the Oakland Running Festival in 2011, I believe, 2010, 2011. I was the fourth person on that squad. I had the shortest leg and unknowingly that had the most hills. So it was a, an awakening on another level. How was that? I found out that I was not a hill runner. You have to practice <laughs> on the, the course and I didn't know that. I didn't know that you should probably wear a tank top versus a underlayer with a shirt over. That you didn't need to have a, let's see, uh, a beanie on, sweatpants with uh, running tights. All those things I learned the hard way, sweating profusely. And uh, making my way up the hill, I learned 
pretty quick that, damn, this running community is pretty friendly. Because I kind of look like a fish out of water. But everyone who saw me said, hey, you got this. Slow down or keep moving. <laughs> Drink water. You know, don't skip the aid station, but keep moving. And that that really resonated with me. And when I eventually handed off the timing chip to the next runner, I called a buddy of mine who was a triathlete and told him that, hey, I completed my five and a half miles and I gave him the pace and he gave me a level of validation with saying, good job, B. That's pretty good for a first time runner. And I think that's all <laughs> I really needed to hear some validation from somebody who had done it before. And then I managed to make my way to the last leg and caught up with the fourth leg runner and saw that finish line experience you know seeing people 10 15 people deep in the finishing corral and it felt like the olympics for me and i knew at that point that i was hooked for life and there shortly you know not too many months after maybe 15 20 25 timed events to finish out that year and kind of the rest is you know has led us to this conversation right here more to fill in in the blanks but that's how I was kind of baptized into endurance running and the community has been incredibly rewarding incredibly fulfilling for me on so so many levels so why running though because I feel like a lot of endurance athletes and from many of the conversations we've had on this podcast share a lot of the same personality traits, right? Like you said, us three, we have to be at least some level of competitive, right? To to be passionate about endurance sports. But I mean, you could have jumped in a pool and done a timed 100. You could have Pickle gotten ball. on a bike and done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, any sport and then fallen in love with making progress and bettering yourself in that way. But why was running what you chose? And then why do you think you stuck with that? Excellent question. The examples you both gave are sports that I've either dabbled in, but you need something else. You need a teammate. You need a piece of equipment. You need a court. With running, I love the simplicity of it, that anyone can do it anywhere, anytime. Period. End of story. Takes away of a lot of excuses. Okay, Get up. And you may not have the most up-to-date modern carbon plate shoe you got shoes get outdoors and move forward it is that simple that's why it it stuck with me and the community when you enter into a conversation with someone who enjoys being outdoors who loves to run you have something in common with them from the start and runners like to share I wouldn't say we like to brag but we like to talk it out <laughs> and I just found myself really connecting with so many people even if we didn't have the same political views that was never an issue we didn't come from the same background that was never an issue we didn't look the same that was never an issue but the commonality of loving physical fitness from an endurance standpoint specifically running just allowed for some fantastic common experiences that continue to happen to this day to Hannah's point, like you have to have, I mean, running attracts, it doesn't attract everyone. Like, and, and so you find certain common elements in the makeup of people who are attracted to it. And yet there is, as you said, like a, a ton of diversity on, on every level. And you and I have talked about how we're, we're kind of 
wired differently in certain ways. Like I, I was always for a very long time, kind of like the more selfish runner. I took from the sport, but you were kind of the opposite. You wanted to get better and do things for yourself, but you were really attracted to the community aspect of it and became a giver in that regard very, very quickly. Can, can you tell us a, a bit about that? How you, you kind of hit the ground running in, and sort of building a community around yourself, even when you were still very new to running? Here in the South Bay in Northern California, San Jose, greater area, a uh, city of a million people. So you can be a bit lost, but not when you have something in common in the form of running. And n where everything isn't about how fast or how far or how many races I've completed, but the ability to get people feeling comfortable about just getting off the couch and outdoors, that their ability to get that one mile underneath their belt and helping them understand that that inner athlete that still resides in them, if they can just put a couple of workouts together in a week and weeks turn into months, that that inner athlete can start to flourish to see people accomplish that first 5K and being a part of their journey was very gratifying to me. And there are wonderful places for people to discover in their own neighborhood, local parks, trails, being able to utilize local tracks. And it doesn't cost any money to get out there and put in the work where you can involve friends and family members and coworkers. So for me, that quickly lit something internally the, the running community that I was a part of started to grow slowly and now has turned into a South Bay running group of nearly a thousand people. We're pacing this weekend San Jose Rock and Roll Half Marathon. We're very proud of that. We've been part of many individuals' very first 5K, 10K, half marathon and marathon experience, either from a training perspective or crossing the start line and finishing with them, putting the medal around their neck. That's nothing better nothing better um, <laughs> and seeing those individuals their fires be lit and to pay it forward as well being examples to members of their own family their workplace their local communities is, is wonderful so being a coach we've had a few other coaches on this podcast james mccurdy one of them and you started running or focusing on running at age 41 right correct so it wasn't like you grew up running. It was your bread and butter in high school. You were some crazy Division One college athlete runner. You know, you started at 41, and then now you're a coach of a team, a very large, successful team. Did you ever feel any sort of imposter syndrome throughout that? <laughs> and if you, and if you didn't, excuse me for asking. What a rude question. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good question. It allows me to, to, to confront that inner voice in my own head, you know, being referred to as Coach B very early on in my running career, because I've always you know, felt I've been a mentor from a professional standpoint, being a long-term hotel executive, being in a leader position of, of leadership, and how that translated in my ability to articulate the running journey to newbies in the sport that moniker kind of stuck. I did question sometimes when people said, hey, Coach B, coach, 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 can you coach, can you pace, coach, 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 what about intervals, <laughs> fart licks, you know, hill repeats, <laughs> tempo runs, you know, taperer, you know, cumulative fatigue. Um, 
I'm like, whoa, what? Hmm? Okay, yes. And I knew that at some point I needed to invest in self and become more up to speed and have some level of accreditation and personal credibility with myself to silence that voice of, do you really, do you really know how to properly give someone tapering advice? What is that based on? Certainly your own experience has a lot of merit, but if you can look to some professional resources, which in many cases led me to Coach Matt. We know we, our paths crossed before we met in 2018 because I was looking to feed myself knowledge and, and find sources of proven methods that resonate with people in the running endurance space. And Coach Matt's name kept popping up on my, my reading radar. And when I met him in 2018, I had already known him. I already had a gist of philosophy, but him, the person, has helped me in many ways from a coaching mentor perspective, but also I've been a, a better master's athlete, now 52 years young, almost 60 marathons, law, yeah, 50, 58, 300 timed events. A lot of that has been able to stay healthy because of having a better idea on how to train and how to recover from a nutrition standpoint. I mean, this book, Racing Weight, has helped me in many ways and being able to pay that forward and once, yes, to answer the question, did I feel like, dude, you have to understand the craft, okay? Because it, it's, it's giving you so much and people are listening, people are watching. So do your part, which I have with, uh, you know, being USA track and field certified and RCA, just to pay it forward. So yes, there was a bit of, I can't really give out this advice with absolute confidence unless I'm putting in the work to be a good student and reading up on experts and also getting some level of certification and then working with people and learning through their eyes, learning through their experience and being able to be a better voice and help them avoid some pitfalls that I did as an up and coming runner and endurance athlete and other athletes that I work with as well. I'm gonna make a Ted Lasso reference now and I've actually never seen the show, but I understand the, the premise. <laughs> and Hannah was actually, I think I heard, first heard about it from your mom when Nataki and I were driving cross country, we, we visited. I'm like, that sounds intriguing. But anyway, it's like this, this coach who doesn't know the sport he's coaching, and yet he coaches it well. And I, I love that because it, it's, yes, it's fiction, but there are examples of great running coaches who, who never ran. It's sort of a reminder, like how much of the job or the role is not really a, yes, you have to have knowledge, but like, a huge part of it is is other stuff. And I wonder if we had a fourth person in this conversation, like someone that you coach uh, be, like what would they say about your style? You know, if, if they think you're a good coach, and I imagine they all do, like what would their why be? You know, maybe it is knowledge, I doubt it, because I know, I know you personally, you've coached me <laughs> up a few times already in, in, in the time we've known together. What do you bring to those coach-athlete relationships? a very good question if we had that fourth person I believe they would say my ability to relate my ability to speak in terms that they understand for them to uh, understand my journey and that I'm not too far removed from where they are or where they want to be that I started running later in life granted I was always felt active and an athlete but to be able to explain where they can be with a little bit of work 
And sometimes it's less about the physical work and more about just the mentality, the mindset, having the confidence and having some early wins and being able to help the athlete understand and realize those early wins versus being so hard on themselves. So one, I think being able to connect. Two, helping the athlete arrive at a point where they can see some realistic goals that are reachable, that are attainable um, within a reasonable amount of time, not pie in the sky, where some going from couch to Boston, not gonna happen. Being able to be realistic with the expectations and helping somebody plan out a timeline and goals. I think people enjoy my energy, generally pretty optimistic and upbeat. And I'm where I'm going to say I'm going to be. You know, if I'm if we have an on session, we're, I'm going to be there. If I'm going to say I'm going to follow up, I'm going to be there. If I'm going to get you some information, I'm going to get that information to you. So being reliable and dependable is, is very important, especially when people are paying their hard-earned money. You do not want a coach that is flaky. And coaches that maybe um, over-promise and under-deliver. I'm going to keep it real with you. And uh, I would think that athlete would say, you know, in working with, with me, that they're plugged into a greater community, that they have access to other people that have walked in their shoes, that have been from couch to 5K, from couch to, to marathon, and that we celebrate everyone equally. There are some athletes that have been, have gone to Kona, have, you know, been Ironman age group finishers. But those people who cross those finish lines get the same level of support if someone crossing a local fundraising 5k we celebrate them the same and i think that's something that it's a priority to me it it means a lot to me and people in our running community see that and they appreciate that so that's what you give your athletes um as a coach and as a good one at that what have you found through your running journey that running has given you oh that's that's pretty deep yeah. Thank you. That's not even the super deep question. Yeah, that's pretty deep. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's coming later. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's given me a lot. I mean, it's in in a, in a nutshell, it's given me deep-rooted happiness that I, I can't imagine not having running in my life and what it's afforded me. I, I'm, I'm incredibly gate, gr- grateful. And I do know that the best is yet to come. I'm a decade plus in. I'm the team captain and founder of a running group of about a thousand people. It's given me the confidence and the wherewithal to step away from a six-figure, 30-year career in hospitality, betting on myself and my love and passion, genuine, deep-rooted passion for the running community. So that's what it's, it's given me. And I know that the best is yet to come and that the i'm getting so much emotional currency from it let alone so that the, the monetary component is secondary i'm very rich emotionally because of the running community i'm, I'm glad you brought up that career change because as you know like that is a part of your story that i keep coming back to i, I find it fascinating because I just think it it's gutsy and it speaks well of you that you did something that um, a lot of people would have been just too afraid to do, you know, just like make a pretty radical career pivot. It's not like you hated your job. I mean, it, it wasn't perfect, but you were good at it and, you know, it, it paid well. You were just 
cruising right along in this career in hospitality. And then you get, you get fall in love with running and you made the switch. Like, did you just make it look easy? <laughs> I mean, how hard was it? Like, were, did you have like, like a, a, any self doubt in, in making that transition? I had been thinking about it for a while. I mean, I couldn't silence the, the, the voice in doing a self-assessment with happiness and self-assessment with overall health. And health is not always measured in um, time and distance. Health is not always measured in scale weight. There's also emotional health as well. The commute, you know, 600 miles a week thereabouts. I think the demands of the job, I mean, I enjoyed the hospitality business. I was in upper management for 20 plus years of that, managing hotels in a very competitive city. In some cases, multiple properties, two hotels, which was my stint for the last five years before I left the business. But I could not ignore the fact, Coach Matt and Hannah, my level of happiness when I was doing anything running related, anything social fitness related, I felt like I had won the emotional lottery. I felt that happy that it was never, ever work. It was never, ever task driven, ever. Every early training run, group or solo, the emails or texts from people asking questions, wanting to, to learn about this or get some feedback here, all the, the pacing opportunities never, ever felt like work. Where work at times felt like work. Sometimes it was task driven, but anything that had to do with the running community, I just loved. And I couldn't ignore that. Sometimes when it kept me up at night and it made my decision, it made it easier. And I was able to get some fantastic therapy when running with some of my closest friends and bouncing it off them. I mean, I was fortunate because, you know, I, I was part of a running group of a thousand people thereabouts that allowed me to look at you know, this running community has taken care of me in so many ways. And if I'd like to completely immerse myself in it, I'm going to be okay. I'll figure it all out. I didn't even have the, the monetized coaching part of it all figured out. I was, you know, reaching out to Matt and getting some feedback from him. But you told me something, Matt. You told me something before I made that leap. You said you got it, you know, and that it didn't necessarily mean I had all the X's and O's from a coaching perspective, but I felt that it you were referring to is my ability to connect with people. And I could look back at my hotel career and realize that I was in that business for a reason. And that's really all I needed to know. I had, you know, my inner circle of friends, the leadership community, the leadership team within Too Legit Fitness. We have an advisory committee, some people that I'm very close to and run with. I said, coach, yeah, you, you will figure it out you've been very good to the running community and the running community will be very good to you. And I've been re rewarded 10 times over easily. But it was a, once I made that decision pre pandemic, I might add. <laughs> you know, so in 2019, you know, I recall having a conversation with my boss and letting her know, giving her, I think four months notice, I trained my replacement. And then when all hell broke loose, understatement with the pandemic, I remember going back and uh, visiting the property and some of my old staff and seeing my boss, she's like, man, your time <laughs> was fantastic. <laughs> no, Tuzamas has nothing on you. You know, and, you, know, you want to come back? Can you help out? And, you know, it just, it all worked out. You know, it's unfortunate that we all navigated the pandemic. I think it, it uh, allowed us to do some soul searching. 
There was a lot of pain in that for a lot of people, a lot of loss, some division in some circles. But for me, it just made me realize the sense of community and being part of the running or endurance community and how we were able to still stick together, even with all the the, the political stuff going around on in the background and all the pressures and uh, that were in some cases COVID driven, you know, people's personal beliefs became very matter of fact. People were incredibly opinionated during that time. So you had to be respectful of people's views. And I felt I've always was pretty good at that, but it just made me dig in even deeper, knowing that this is where I needed to be and to seeing how we're emerging out of it live racing happening right now which is pretty freaking cool i mean hannah you've done a couple of iron man events fantastic for you again you know since i've come back from a broken foot i think i'm five soon to be six live races in with let's see virtual boston on the horizon la marathon california international marathon to close out the year from get that endurance up and practice the 80 20 rule of of training but yeah i'm loving i'm loving it all and less about and i feel I don't feel comfortable in, in, in talking necessarily about what I'm doing as an athlete. This is not about coach. You know, I'm going to get my work in one way or another. I'm going to put my work in. But it's the journey of those people who didn't initially have the confidence or were afraid to ask, a, in their eyes, a question that seems so basic. You know, coach, what is taper? You know, you know what is what is what is a tempo run? What is I don't understand that. And being able to to help them understand that process and being a, a vehicle for them to come and to ask and to learn and invite other professionals to be part of town hall Q and A's and to be able to facilitate and to do what we're we're doing right now in. Uh, collaborating and sharing and being part of podcast and share, sharing stories, it's fantastic. And again, it, it doesn't feel like work. Does not feel like work. <laughs> Amen. Well, before this podcast episode recording, I was lucky to know that you really care about community, but you've definitely made that known to our listeners in the most genuine way as well. And I don't think we can go any further without talking about the... 8020 Endurance Foundation. So I'm just going to turn it over to Matt, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Put him yeah. on the spot. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I guess let's, let's back up a, a little bit. You know, you mentioned, B, that, that I told you you had, you had it. You had the, the it factor. And I think everyone knows basically what is meant by that. Like, I, I knew that you were going to be successful and not just that, but that you were going to make running better, you know, and I just wanted to be along for the ride. So I know maybe from your perspective, it's, it looked like, like I started giving you opportunities or getting you involved in 80-20, but it, it was a little bit selfish. I knew wherever you were, that's where that's, that was going to be the place to be. So I was going to make sure not to let you go. You're an 8020 Endurance Ambassador at this point. You're a guest on the podcast, and we've started this foundation. And, and, and the timing, we wanted to have you on the show before now, but we waited because we are launching the foundation, the 8020 Endurance Foundation, which is the philanthropic arm of 8020 Endurance. Our first initiative is called the Coaches of Color Initiative. And I won't go any further in terms of like how it, how it came about 
you tell your version of it. It wasn't your brainchild initially, but there's a reason I, I wanted to team up with you for it. So tell listeners, those of us who don't know the story, as I do, <laughs> how, how this came about. Yeah, I mean, I was, I believe I was traveling out of state visiting my mother in New Mexico. And Coach Matt uh, reached out to me. Um, I think I had asked, picked his brain on some coaching business related stuff. And I didn't know initially where, where he was going with our conversation, but I know Matt's story as well. I mean, you shared it quite vividly in Life is a Marathon. I mean, you really opened up and have all, man, all the respect for you for doing that, sharing that story that is not all running related. It's life and life really is a marathon. There are moments where you're going to have pockets of adversity and, you know, which way to go? Do you throw in the towel? Do, is there a DNF in life, you know, or we can take a freaking deep breath and say, I, I got to figure this out. I got to just put one foot in front of the other and trust where I'm at. And you'll have those crossroads, which you did. We all have in our own way. But back to the bigger question, the foundation and giving people of color an opportunity in this business. I and mean, I wish that this foundation and its mission existed when I was just getting into running. Maybe I would have made that choice, you know, five, six, eight, nine, ten years ago, because I was already reaping the benefits of the running community. But knowing that being a coach and the ability to impact others and to have a sustainable career that I'm living right now. I mean, I'm a little over a year and a half into it as a as a paid endurance coach. And again, I referenced early in our conversation, the emotional currency versus the other monetary components of services rendered for clients, et cetera, et cetera. But to have mentors out there, people who have learned and you can experience, glean their experience where you don't have to scramble. You don't have to shuffle your feet, much like a runner, first timer, to have a new coach being able to get advice from Coach Matt or other endurance professionals and something that is not a... A cursory drop in the bucket, taking care of somebody's certification fees, 500 bucks, and you're a coach in title, but you really don't know the business. A year long apprenticeship, fantastic, covering X amount of dollars per month, and you know, 500 to a thousand dollars a month is huge. And I know people right now that could benefit from it. And I know that given the opportunity years ago, I would have given it some thought. So to be part of this foundation, especially with our advisory board, I think the, the timing could not be any better in being able to take a step back and knowing that so many athletes in the running space, there's parts that are very diverse. But when you look at the coaching ranks, not as much, not as much. And I think minorities maybe don't give it a second thought and now we'll put that opportunity in front of them where they can and they can see a viable way to kind of get a leg up and to get some real traction from an experience standpoint that can help them become a high school coach whether it be in running or any other endurance capacity is huge having access is huge getting real-time life experience is huge learning on the job is huge and getting the opportunity 
if this takes one person, especially in a coaching capacity, you can touch so many people and especially in inner cities. Coach Matt, your wife is from the East Bay, from Oakland, California. There are a, a, a lot of opportunities just in general in our inner cities. And I would hope that the grantees that we will be mentoring, that will be part of this apprenticeship, will be able to go back and to inspire other young minds. So we all can you know, have our part in helping people being happier and healthier, especially when those people that are there are leading us look like us as well. Hannah, speechless. She's speechless. <laughs> I mean, you you guys both gave a great summary of the foundation. <laughs> I hate well, to come you know, off of that and giggle, but you really did. This has been something that Matt has been thinking out about for for a while. And I think Coach B, you're the ideal person to have leading this advisory board as well. I feel honored, um, very grateful. I was incredibly surprised and humbled in that I thought he was just picking my brain. It's like, hey, it's the story, kind of a crappy situation, you know, what's going on from a social standpoint, coming out of 2019 and 2020, so much division and separation, heightened racial, t- racial tensions, but yeah, it's just, you know, white guy and a black dude that are, you know, <laughs> besties, different parts of the coast, East Coast and West Coast. But our love of endurance has brought this friendship together and being able to appreciate the nuances and the differences that we may have, but also the commonality and seeing through um, one lens knowing that there's an opportunity to make a difference just by giving people access and sharing knowledge and someone in a coaching capacity has a platform to impact so many other individuals and what are we talking about health and wellness we need people to be more active we need more people to be active in the inner city so i i could not be more um grateful and I cannot wait to roll up the sleeves, which we're doing already. You know, there's work happening behind the scenes as we speak. Matt alluded to it earlier in our conversation. And we're about to really hit the ground running here and finish out 2021. And I can't wait to kick the doors in in 2022 <laughs> where a mission can really flourish. And we'll be depending on the public, the private sector and the public sector in helping our grantees along their journey, which we'll be sharing. Yeah, just to, to be concrete for you know anyone who's listening, uh, who's like, wow, that sounds great, but you know what is it exactly? The Coaches of Color Initiative is combination grant apprenticeship model where we're going to do an open call for applicants. I hope the date doesn't change at this point because we're recording this. Like, uh, so a four week window receiving applications through the foundation website from October eighteenth uh, to November whatever, four weeks after the 18th is. And a pretty simple process, just like a personal statement, name and where you're from is basically what what we're interested in. And we have to start small because we want to get this right. There are a lot of people sort of stepping up to check check the box of addressing social injustice at this point. Like we want to bring real substance behind it. It's not just like doing it because everyone is. So we want to start with awarding one grant. It'll be, as uh, Coach B mentioned, like one year long. And that person will receive a a monthly stipend throughout that period. 
but we're not just throwing money at a person. We want really a very comprehensive apprenticeship slash mentorship program where the person will become a certified 80-20 endurance coach. We're rolling out that program early 2022, so right on time. That person will get to interact directly with you, Bertrand, with David Warden and myself, the, the coach founders of 8020 Endurance, the advisory board members, a uh, really stellar team and inspiring individuals there. And then just hand, hands-on experience and sort of like sort of you know, rolling up their sleeves and coming to work with 8020 Endurance to a certain degree, just like you know, getting trained, getting experience, building a network. And so the idea is that by the time that year is is complete it's not about really the money at that point it's like that person is in a completely different place and, and so much more ready to have a really successful career as an endurance coach and then as you as you said hopefully we'll pay it forward we'll help help mentor not only go on to be a great coach and change lives in that way but help mentor future coaches of color we'll go from there and who knows you know by the time it's all said and done we'll, when we reconvene in 20 years we will have had like a hundred people go through this program, but we are starting with one. <laughs> I think it's important to just to emphasize as well. There are a lot of companies, people checking boxes in this field, I guess you'd call it. But this is different, right? There's been a lot of thought behind this and it's one person. Sure, it's only one person, but one person can make a huge impact. And, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Well said. Coach B, you remember when we when we did the video shoot together, some of the things I said when we weren't recording, like some of the fears I have about like getting it wrong or, or what have you. I, I have in mind when I when I talk about this and I get ready to, to share it with the world, my fellow white folks. Like and, and there might be some folks out there be like, <laughs> this isn't really a very important cause. You know, we've got climate change or whatever. But you know, I guess my attitude is like we can't all run for Congress. We can't all attach ourselves to whatever we think the biggest cause is. I think we can all make a really meaningful difference if we do something close to home. Like, I'm not going to run for co Congress. I have too many skeletons in my closet. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. They're all in my book, Life is a Marathon. It's all out there. But, but yeah, I mean, just endurance is what I do. And I think there's a real difference that can be made right here. And so that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, I agree. I uh, couldn't have said it better. 100%. Right on. Just to go off of that, like Matt saying as a white guy, like leading the charge, I guess it's kind of a question for Matt. Sorry, Coach. <laughs> this has turned into a Matt interview. But you and I have had conversations about this briefly before, but were you nervous to start this foundation as a white guy being like, hey, let me help you out. Here's your <laughs> check every month. And I'm doing well. Pat myself in the back. Off I go. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the stuff that you, you keeps you up at night. But that's part of the reason we have an advisory board. But what's the alternative that like white people don't touch social justice causes? It's like we, we disqualify our, ourselves because of perceptions. No, I'm honestly not really the most political person in the world. And that's just not the lens I view problems with. I am married to a black woman. Half of my family for more than a quarter century has been black. It's just a big part of my life. It's just a reality. There is not a level playing field in this country. You know, I'm actually writing a, working on a blog post that's it's on the same subject. It's like the, the written version of the discussion we're having. 
And I make the point there, you know, when I go to visit Nataki's family in East Oakland, and I try to imagine like, what if I had grown up there? Would I be a triathlon coach? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just, it's really hard to imagine a path to the place that we really enjoy being. That's my perspective on it. So like, let's create a path because like, I, I think endurance sports change lives for the better, but not all lives are being reached with endurance sports. That's the way I look at it. Do you think that's, that's fair? Does that resonate, B? Oh yeah, absolutely, it does. Opportunity and giving people an opportunity, giving people an opportunity in locations and getting it on their emotional radar and for them to hear it from somebody who's been in their shoes before. And it's, an, it's a sport, it's a, it's a space that is very accessible and easy to do where you, again, you don't need a ton of equipment, you know, and I know there are, there are entities out there. I'm calling out, calling you out corporate America, those big shoe brands and apparel brands that you're going to do your part. Okay. And, you know, to, to grant and to gift, to pay it forward, pairs of shoes and apparel, we would welcome that because that right there could allow a young mind to flourish in the classroom, on the field, and to pay it forward, maybe help them subsidize their education as well. Maybe it's someone who's, is, who's been able to see that inner athlete flourish in the field of play and help them cover some educational costs and then them to give it back to the community or the people within their community to see what they've been able to do and to inspire them to do the same. And I applaud you, Matt. Um, and I know you're not doing this for any notoriety, that you were doing lots behind the scenes prior to. You've, you've been very outspoken. You have, you've shared your opinion. You shared it in your book, you know? So you walk the walk and talk the talk and are empowering others to have a voice, others to help level the playing field in, in some small way in our endurance space. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I, I like to, when I get on my soapbox here, <laughs> so, you know, so I opened the, the door for you. Yeah, Go I know, ahead. you did. But you know, the, the the journey for me in endurance sports really started way back in the, at the 1983 Boston Marathon, which my dad ran. Like you had your getting, you know, running, getting its hooks into you moment. Be well, well, that was mine. I just went down there, spectated, crossed the finish line with my dad, and. If you look back at, at the demographics of that race, it was probably like a 6,000 person race back then. And it was like 97% male. It was almost all American, almost all white. It was a beautiful event. I mean, it was fantastic, but it was only like kind of one kind of person <laughs> enjoying that experience. And like fast forward to today, just look at the, the gender breakdown. It's 50-50 now. And it's a way better party. <laughs> you know, it's just like the sport, the, the event, the sport are so much better because it's been diversified. And, and so that, that's the, the other point I like to make to my fellow white people is like, there's something in this for you too. You know, it's like the more diverse the party is, the more fun it is. Just, and if you doubt me, just wait, wait and see. <laughs> yeah. And we're, you know, we're, uh, what week and a half away from Boston 2021. Um, we all probably watched Berlin. I know you were at a watch party in uh, Boulder, Colorado, watching the Tokyo Marathon, just looking at the diversity of those athletes, international, 
but we have the opportunity to make an impact here in the States. And again, the sport gives a lot back and we're just helping level up in a more um, structured way. And I think, you know, they're going to be successful because the mission is profound. Without question, can't argue with the mission. Easy pitch. Yes. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think we're going to, I honestly think we're going to have fun doing it. You, you know, to get back to your question, was I nervous, Hannah? I mean, not really, because this is really from the heart. I'm enjoying this. And I think that enjoyment is sustainable. Like when you're doing it out of a sense of obligation or because you think it looks good or it's the right thing to do, but your heart isn't in it, uh, is the program still going to exist in five years? Maybe not. Probably not. But I don't think that's going to be an issue for us. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I just took over this the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the last 10 minutes has been the Matt show. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's all right. For though. good reason. It's all right. <laughs> Teamwork makes a dream work, right? Yes. Yeah. And this is a Should we look do- at our panel. It's, it's, a, it's a diverse panel here, you know? Male, female, like why? I love, I love that. Age, so, yes, <laughs> yes. One one person with that one. one person with long COVID. Can we talk about long COVID now? Yeah, we have to. That's yeah. We got to get that in the episode at some point. I was gonna mention it when you were like, "Will it be around in twenty years?" Yes, I was gonna say, "Are you gonna be around in twenty years?" But <laughs> you don't know me well enough to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a season two joke. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> well, should we hit B with our super deep closing question since I just took over the show and I need to extricate myself somehow or another? <laughs> yes. Also, we've already had some deep questions, so I'm excited to hear what you've got for him. Yeah, this is a superficially right. shallow question, but like, um, get past the gimmickry of it and try to take it seriously if you can. Or you can just tell me it's a stupid question. So how old are you again? B, you're 52? Is that? 52. Okay, so you, you've, you've, you've experienced years one through 52, but just t- take the full spectrum, let's say ages one through 100. If you had to pick one, what do you think is the best age to be? Where you're just like in your, the sweet spot in life. If you could like freeze time at one age, where would you, where would you wanna be on that? Well, for me, say 26. <laughs> for me, candidly, I mean, it's I, my 50, I mean, 50, 51, 52. I mean, years of self-discovery. I mean, you've, you've been in the game long enough to know what you like, where you're at, what makes you happy. And for me, there's no substitute for being happy. And there's no, not enough, you know, zeros in the bank account. That doesn't justify complete happiness. Security, I get that. I do. Something to say for knowing who you are, being comfortable in your skin, and knowing that the the importance of friendships and the importance of open and honest communication and not being quick to judge somebody, to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, you've had to live a little bit to feel comfortable in being able to do that. And not always feeling your voice needs to be heard first but you always have to be the last person to speak. Being able to shut the heck up every now and then and be able to listen is important. Point taken. Jeez. Boom. 
Next question. There's an underlying an underlying theme there. <laughs> Age fifty. Got it. All Something right, to look well. forward to, Hannah. Yes. Yeah. Woo. Life. And yeah. I mean, I you know, I remember at turning twenty, thirty, and forty, all cool milestones. But I think I'm probably in better shape at fifty than I was at all those other milestones. I was in pretty good shape at twenty. But certainly better better shape than I was at, at 30, men at 40 as well. And again, I, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, health isn't determined by how much weight you can lift, how fast you are in time and distance. Health is emotional health as well. So I'm happy, very happy. So, yeah. Well, I can tell in just your presence, really, your ASMR, like audiobook reading voice too. <laughs> it's, it's just, you're very comforting presence whenever we speak thank you thank you and you know life happens there are times when you you get a little frustrated yes i will not say that it's all unicorns and rainbows and little sparklies and and all that little you know no there's some days i'm like this is some bullshit ah but able to to take it and just let it let it bounce and realize that i am grateful i am blessed and that so many other people are struggling more than I. If I had a bad day, a bad run, uh-uh, mm-mm, nope, in and out, done, you know. Yep. Next, tomorrow's a, a, another day. You can get caught up in all the cliches, but I really do feel that the power of the mind is huge and being present versus taking life for granted. We've seen far too many examples of life can change just like that. And I can't allow myself to do that. Can't. Nope. Mm-hmm. So preach yep don't have to go to church on sunday just got just got that sermon in (laughs) all right coach matt right well thank you so much coach b loved having you on the episode you know if you need a part-time side hustle i would say read audiobooks the voice is just crystal clear oh thank you thank you (laughs) we'll Uh, talk technology we'll we'll talk offline all right (laughs) all right thanks so much coach b my pleasure thank you both Matt and I want to thank you for being a part of the Coaches of Color initiative launch. Just by listening to this podcast, you have shown your support, but please check out the website at the link in our show notes to learn more and read more about the apprenticeship application and do share that with anyone that you think would benefit from it. Reach out to us if you have questions, if you're applying yourself, and we cannot wait to continue this mission. Follow us on Instagram at Coaches of Color Initiative. Check out the website, share with your friends, all the things. Thanks so much, you guys, and we'll chat with you next week. Mm